Good day, family of God. I uh, trust we are all keeping safe. Uh, I'm excited to be sharing uh, this session with you, even as we navigate through a season, a unique season of, uh, of the uh, corona pandemic. I believe that uh, the entire earth uh, is seeking for answers at this time, uh, and there seems to be more questions than answers. But we are going to track the mind of God. We are going to go into scripture, and we are going to try to uh, identify templates, patterns uh, in the word of God that should guide our response in this time. Therefore, the, 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 the topic we are looking into is our accurate response in a season of change. And uh, we will start and take our cue from Isaiah 6. Uh, Isaiah 6, and um, most of uh, the, the, the learnings we are going to glean is, is coming directly from that chapter. So we start from verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, sit on a, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. Woe is me, I cried. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. He said, Go and tell these people, Be ever hearing and never understanding, but never perceiving. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of these people callous.'" Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, For how long, Lord? And he answered, Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitants, until the houses are left deserted, and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent someone, has sent everyone far away. And the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tent remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the turbines and oak leaf stumps, when they are cut down, so the holy seed will build a stump in the land. These are very, very profound scriptures that goes beyond the commissioning of Isaiah. Uh, it gives us a, a glimpse of who King Uzziah was. He was the reference point uh, for the people in Israel at that time. 
King Uzziah had led a significant reign of prosperity and civilizational advance in Israel. He built cisterns. He built towers, both, uh, both in the cities and also he built outstanding walls of defense. He conquered, he conquered enemies and he emerged as a major influence in building Israel as, 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 as a strong city, as a strong nation in his time. And even though he began to reign with the fear of the Lord, we note that at the end of his reign, uh, uh, he had a negative report that he ceased to honor the Lord and he actually desecrated the temple of the Lord. So we might say that uh, King Uzziah represents a dominant influence in our reality and a reference point for success and human achievements. So a King Uzziah greatly influences our perception, our value system, and actually our culture. He is, uh, any, any, the King Uzziah model is any system, any institution or person that competes with God as a ref, as the reference point in our lives. So when our jobs dominate our lives to the extent that the family, the relationships, church, and God start to take a backseat, the job is in a sense our King Uzziah. When we are committed to church activity, then our relationship with Christ, the church ministry becomes our King Uzziah. When we follow a highly charismatic leader, dress like him, talk like him, without following him as he follows Christ, then that leader has just become our King Uzziah. The King Uzziah flesh is always competing with the God reality in our lives. So in this season, God has put a, full, he has put a pause on most of the King Uzziah influences in our lives. And we now have motivation to make room in our hearts to fully embrace God in all his sovereignty and majesty. If we look at that scripture which says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. We see here a very surprising commentary coming from Isaiah, who was a first-class seer and a major prophet of his time. But then again, we begin to appreciate that just like Isaiah, we never quite come into the fullness of our purpose until God becomes the king of our reality. God can be the king of our worship or the king of our church service or fellowship, but God as the king of our reality means his person, his realm has become more real. And we, are, and we are living life at his pleasure. As such close proximity to God's glory, the unworthy state of our mortality becomes glaringly apparent. It is like a magnifying lens focused on a piece of cloth that on the surface looks clean to the ordinary eyes. With the lens, you don't just see the death. You see a whole universe of microorganisms, 
germs, bacteria, and viruses. In this case, the light of God's presence reveals the sin virus in Isaiah and his generation. Remember, during Isaiah's dispensation, no vaccine had been discovered for the sin virus. However, we thank God we live in a new and better testament than, than Isaiah's generation. Through Christ, we are justified and vaccinated from the sin nature. We may sin, but the sin nature no longer has default power over us if we live by the grace and truth of God in Christ. Then continuing on in the scripture, it says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a life coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched my lips. This has touched your lips, sorry. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. We see directly from those verses that any altar, whether it be corporate, whether it be family or individual altar, is once, once it is accurately built on God as our sovereign king, or as the king of our reality, it has the power to purify. Once we engage God from an altar that enthrones God, it has that power to purify, to deliver, and equip us for divine purpose, just like Elijah was commissioned for divine purpose with the seraphim using the life coal and touching his mouth with it and taking away his sin and equipping him for the next level of assignment. So this unique season requires we strengthen our personal altar and family altars. Yes, we continue to have fellowship virtually and the corporate altar of our church will always be a place of empowerment, direction, and discipline for us. But God is calling us to intimacy like never before, to tend the fire of our personal and family altars. God reveals himself for, to us for a purpose. The Holy Spirit came upon Isaiah and other, Testament prophet, and other Old Testament prophets, but he now indwells us. As, a, as believers, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us and we are better equipped to engage life and navigate uh, in a season like this. It is often easy for us to undermine our pursuit of God based on the narrow definition we give to him. However, to seek God with the right an accurate heart posture is to seek him as a sovereign king, not just as the source of our blessings, as, as the source of our blessing or our healer. When we embrace God as the sovereign king, then we can accurately serve him with a faithful servant heart. We receive our call as a privilege and honor, not as some exclusive status. Our relationship with him as our sovereign king and master is more important than our call and our assignment. The seraphim revealed to us the accurate heart posture for serving God. We go back to the scriptures and we're told that above him 
were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With, with two wings, they covered their faces, almost as though to hide their own glory or to not make themselves the focus of attention. With two, they covered their feet. They were not joining in the strength of their own power. And with two, they were flying under the wings of God's grace. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. This is profound and interesting. We see the seraphim having a conversation. They have, they have come into the earth realm. They are having conversations with one another. They are in awe that in this realm, as in heaven, they say, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father, let your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. A crucial part of God's will is to see the earth, see the earth, covered with the knowledge of God's glory. And he wants to achieve this through us as his church, despite the intimacy of God's presence that the seraphim perpetually share. God's glory and holiness is continuously unfolding in dynamic dimensions before them in a way that evokes their continual adoration and worship. So when we wonder how, on, how in heaven we'll be able to worship God for eternity, it will be natural and spontaneous because our worship will be inspired by an unfolding revelation of his glory and holiness that never dims as we travel through eternity. At the sound of their voices, still talking about the seraphim, the doppels and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. The doppels and thresholds shaking speaks of movements, the changing movements and nuances in the spirit realm. The doorpost shaking speaks to a shift in how we access God. At times, we access God's presence through spirit-led prayer. At other times, through a particular song of worship. At times, it comes through spending more time gazing upon God in the stillness of med meditation. And this is actually my preferred uh, protocol in this time, to gaze upon God in the stillness of meditation, to, to stretch in the realm of the spirit to hear the Lord. At other times, we don't even need to do anything. Only God turns up on his own volition like he did before Isaiah in this encounter. The important thing to note is our responsibility to continually track him that we may have unbroken fellowship with him, no social distancing with our God. Our hearts must always be seeking out for God. Continuing with that scripture, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. He said, Go 
and tell these people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of these people callous. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. God is just, and so he sends his servant, even though he knows that the message will not be will not will not will not be able to make to, to change the hearts of the people and because he knows that the hearts of these people has drifted far away he still sends his servant god's word goes forth at different times to either redeem to either or to restore or to judge at this time it is to judge because the people are totally disconnected from his frequency. The reality of, of God as the King, the Lord Almighty, is alien to these people. This is as it was in the days of Moses and Pharaoh and the plagues. The beginning of judgment is when God hardens the hearts of people to their false reality. No, we must not, we must not miss the knocking of the Lord upon the doors of our heart in this season. We must not harden our hearts. We need to consider this. If God had spoken, if God spoke the universe into existence and upholds everything by the word of his power, surely his creation disintegrates when it loses frequency with his word. Tracking from the same scripture, then said I, for how long, Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitants, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tent remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. As the terebinth and oak leaf stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. Once again, we see the cup of indignation full. The harvest is ripe. God's judgment shakes our mortal existence every time we experience God in this fashion. Everything not built upon him is laid waste. The cities which highlight the height of human achievement are laid waste. Households cannot hold together. Fields no longer yield their crop. No human reference point can prepare mankind for the desolation. Ask Donald Trump or Putin or, or, or Johnson for answers in the midst of the current crisis. Even the experts are perplexed. They don't have the answers. It is futile to trust in the arm of flesh. Uncertainty, fear is the mood of the people who forsake their true king. People are uprooted from the normal rhythm of life. God's love is complete, and just as well, his judgment is also total. But we praise God for redemption through Christ our King, who was planted through death as the holy seed of the remnant and resurrected as our Savior and Prince of Peace. If we are to qualify at this time, if we are to pause and look at the requirements of this season, if we are to stand up 
to our mandate as a remnant company in this season. Our faith in Christ and God's word must be what we stand on. Religion will not take us far. Only God's word must shape and build our reality. The word of God is a two-edged sword, powerfully dividing the realities of the soul and the spirit. This word of God helps separate our selfish motivations from the higher purposes of, the, of, of, the, from the higher purposes of God. The word brings clarity and direction to life in a way that leads to our peace and well-being. The state of our heart determines how fruitful the word is in our lives. Let us conclude this section by taking a look at the various heart con- conditions the word encounters in the lives of the believer. So let's look at Genesis chapter 13, verses 19 to 23. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it, receives it with joy. But since they have no roots, they last only a short time. When trouble and persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or sixty times what was sown. We want to be fruitful in these times. We want to have an understanding of these times. We want not to be like the generation of Isaiah, who hearing they could who were spoken to, and as they were being spoken to, their, their dimness of hearing was, uh, was increasing. Their sight, they were losing sight as God was revealing the signs of the times, the trends of the times. We want our hearts to be sensitive and yielded in this time. So we want to look deeply at the scriptures. Look at the various heart conditions uh, Uh, displayed in this parable from our Lord Jesus Christ and begin to look at it from a very contemporary contemporary sense so that it has resonance and provides uh, a way for us to track in the midst of this season. Uh, Verse 19 says, Listen then to what the parable of the soil means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. This seed, this is the seed sown along the path. This is the seed sown along the path. This is the seed sown along the path. The heart condition of a seed, the word of God being sown along the path. The word of God came, but because the heart was turned away to the familiar path of worldly reasoning, 
the world's current thinking system, the world's uh, current belief system and philosophies. It could not decode the message from God and requested God's frequency of wisdom at that time. So we want not to be with this kind of familiar part. The familiar part should not be the path we are treading upon right now. The familiar path can also be a heart with a religious mindset or a heart that is programmed to receive only from a particular leader or denomination. This kind of believer resists when a different messenger of God brings a word in due season. The enemy is in the business of paving the familiar path with half-truths and wrong emphasis. We need to continually ask what path we are on. Are we on the, fam- on, on the familiar path or on the narrow path to becoming one with our God? The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no roots, they last only a short time. The rocky ground refers to rigid traditions, unyielding personality traits, as well as the impulsive coping systems we have mastered for dealing with life issues. You can imagine the time of when Peter uh, was instructed by the Lord to eat that which had for long been prohibited by Israel, the food that had been prohibited by Israel. Even though it was the Lord, his maker, instructing him, he was caught up in that rigid tradition. And so the word of the Lord meets resistance every time we are in the grip of tradition. So we see seed falling on rocky ground, referring to someone who hears the word of God and at once receives it with joy. And when we look very closely, what that tells us is that uh, the good emotions we have does not necessarily indicate that our hearts are connected or joined with God. To be properly rooted in God means a heart posture of unconditional submission to the Lordship of Christ. His word must take root and condition the atmosphere of our heart in the midst of crisis and advance. The nurturing of the seed of God's word is a personal responsibility we must all take up. We must continually audit ourselves prayerfully to search out our blind spots and renew our work based on an authentic and transparent relationship with Father. This is imperative if the seed of his word is to grow, mature, and produce new life in us and through us. It says the seed falling among the tongues refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. The worries of life are usually accompanied by a sense of insecurity and fear. The COVID-19 crisis has generated a lot of fear and uncertainty among both believers and the nations of the earth. 
in conditions like this, the tendency is to believe issues of life need to be responded to with logic and human reason, and that relying solely on God and his word is impractical and unpredictable. But we must not be like Lot uh, during the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah when the angels of the Lord were trying to take him out and rescue him from the judgment. And he was not able to navigate that transition. The angels of the Lord said, go up to the mountain. And Lot and his family, they sought for a sacrifice. In fact, the wife looked back at the old Norma and said, we have had a good time in Sodom. Why must we, even, even at the risk of our lives, begin to move towards and begin to move towards new territory, new circumstances that we are not familiar with. And so they settled in the town of Zohar. And again, the angels of the Lord instructed them, no, go the full length, migrate, navigate a full transition in these times, go up to the mountain. And yet, even as they went up the mountain, they decided to enter into a cave and we see the deterioration of their, the quality of life. We see the structures of, their, of, of, of life as a family deteriorate. And this was all because they were, not, they were not fully engaged. They did not trust fully in the word of the Lord. They looked for compromise in a time of transition and in a midst of crisis. And so... Their, 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 their transition was half-hearted and it did not bring the full, the full fruit of redemption and buoyancy in God in a new normal. God's word is our path to peace. We must trust him in this time. We must lean upon him. We do not want to be like Lot and his family. We do not want to engage this season trusting in our human understanding. We want to move, appreciating we have not been this way before and that God's word will lead us into his rest. Father, we bless you. We thank you, God. We give you praise. We declare that none of us will be caught in between. We will transition in these times. We will lay hold of the new normal. We will engage the new dispensation which is unfolding before us with faith, with courage, your word-bearing fruits, fruits, fruits of courage, fruits of transformation, fruits of engagement, total engagement. The deceitfulness of riches could also be a state of prosperity that causes us to lose a sense of reverent fear of the sovereign God like King Uzziah, when he desecrated the temple of God, he had lost a reverence for God because he had come to that place of, accomplish, of accomplishment during his reign. The majesty, the sacredness, and fear of God must continually increase in our hearts as we journey through time. We are never satisfied with the present. We keep chasing to make him our exceeding great reward, to be one with him, Nothing short of God will do.
we'll look at the scriptures going on and we'll conclude with that precious verse in 23 which says but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it this is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred sixty and thirty times what was sown the fertile heart receives the word and affairs of God gladly this heart understands because it is genuinely passionately, diligently seeking for truth to become Christ-like and to truly serve God as king. The right heart is a heart that is seeking an omnipresent God on the narrow path. The right heart is a heart that loves God's ways and makes a way for others. The right heart is a heart that is dying to serve and living for Christ. The right heart is a heart that embraces truth in the inward parts, but has faith for the logical. The right heart is a heart that redeems the times, but looks on to eternity. The right heart is a heart that seeks to be one with God and one with the brethren. The right heart is a heart that loves God like a son, but serves as a bond servant. As a bond servant. The right heart makes the word of God its reference point in all times, whether it's in the valley or mountain seasons of life. Looking at Psalm 1 from verse 1 to 3, just to look more closely at the benefits of the right heart. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. The good heart does not wither in famine. Whether it is in lockdown or, restriction, or restrictions are loosened, it continues to produce 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold because it is planted by the word and the spirit of God. It draws divine resource and supply from the economy of God. May this be our reality as we navigate through this season, even into the days and months and years ahead. So therefore we come before you, Lord, and we bring our heart before you. And we ask, O oh God, that you adjust our heart, calibrate our heart, cause us, O oh God, to be yielded to you. Let your word find fertile ground through our heart. Let the pulsations of our heart be to see your word be to see your purposes prosper. Father, we bless and magnify you in this season and time. We see this season as this time that is challenging, but at the same time, we trust it to be a season of opportunity and discovering your higher purposes. Father, we bless and glorify you. We celebrate you. We ask, O oh God, that even as 
we travel through these times of season, the times and, 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 and the, 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 the uncertainties of these times. Father, we ask, we ask for the direction of your Holy Spirit. We ask for the leading of your Holy Spirit. We ask for greater sensitivity. We ask, oh God, that you cause the fire of our private altars to be ignited like never before. We ask for greater sensitivity to the pulsations of your spirit. We glorify you. We thank you for your protection over your people. We thank you for your provision. We thank you, O oh God, for the, for the canopy, the canopy of your presence over your people, whether they are whether they are, they, are, they are journeying to walk in this season of the loosening of the restrictions or whether they are in their homes, we thank you, O oh God, for your divine providence. We thank you, O oh God, because they abide under the shadow of your wings. We thank you, O oh God, for mobility in the realm of the spirit. We thank you for upward mobility in the realm of the spirit, even in the place of physical stillness. We thank you for upward mobility in the realm of the spirit. We bless your holy name. We glorify you, O oh God. We thank you, O oh God. We thank you for enlargement on the inside. We thank you, O oh God, for your love being shed abroad our hearts. We thank you for greater sensitivity. We thank you, O oh God, for families discovering the bond of unity once again. We thank you, O oh God, for us having our priorities redefined. We thank you, O God, for increasing clarity for a new day. Father, we bless you. We celebrate you. Be exalted. Be glorified. We worship you. We honor you. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a great week.